episode 104 años tienes, yo soy Chad Michaelinis, the bilingual podcast, Respawn, aim, fire. That is false <laughs> advertising, we are a single language podcast. Okay, first of all, I just said words in Spanish, that makes us bilingual. We are the Kick-Ass Irreverent Gaming Podcast, I am your host Chad Michaelinis, across the country in Rhode Island we have our other host Holden Depardo. Holden, say something in Spanish. Hola. Nailed it. Nailed and it. And then Great somewhere else. Great accent too, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> somewhere else on this planet, we have a couple of guys. We have Darby and Jeff. You guys say it at any order you want. Say something in Spanish. Oh, dear God. De donde esta? I don't even know. There's something about bibliotheque. You're supposed to say something about libraries. <laughs> for those of you who it's don't, just the best word to say is it's for like an early like you know Spanish one class like biblioteca. Like I learned a word today. It was biblioteca. Doesn't that sound awesome? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I should have just said that. I tried to do a full sentence. It was bad. All right, oh, Jeff, yeah, don't worry. Okay. I, I panicked too. I'm like, hola, cool. I got to go first. I got the easy one. <laughs> <laughs> that was Darby, by the way. Darby was speaking. Jeff, what's your Spanish phrase? See. where are you guys right now like physically location wise give me your exact address (laughs) don't give me all that zip zip code here's my social we are here's self docs yourself we are in south carolina so we are like covering all the different corners here so you might know the see ya at folger kia are you aware of that commercial i don't think so oh (laughs) damn it i'm from north carolina it plays all the time in charlotte which is close enough to the border that like I thought you guys might know. Oh, we're in Charlotte all the time, but I guess not watching TV in Charlotte. Very no, we're usually just going to Damn show it. and coming back. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Jeff, your C, I, that's what I was, like, I imagine it leading into the C, uh, Folger Kia. Whoa, welcome. So you guys are from the Nerds at Large podcast. So you've never been on our show before, but Holden and I were on your show what seems like an eternity ago. And we're going to be on your show again very, very soon for your Game of Thrones chat for the next few weeks. Tell the people in the world about that. Yeah, I'm. we somehow wrote these guys in to join us, which I'm, I'm very, very satisfied <laughs> yeah. with. But yeah, we're going to be doing <laughs> weekly spoiler casts for every single episode of the final season of Game of Thrones. We're going to record them on Sunday night, so they'll probably go up some ungodly hour <laughs> on Monday morning. And, uh, yeah, all four of us are going to just kind of break apart what's happening in the episode and kind of be sad that it's ending. Yeah. Talk about how we feel, what we think is going to happen next. <laughs> yep. And just uh, like just to let you know, me and Jeff are maybe a little more negative, but we're still still pretty positive. But I think Chad is going to like force us to, into happiness. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way it works. You will all be happy. The ending is perfect. <laughs> I can't freaking wait. That is next week, everybody. So uh, what's the name of the podcast they should follow on their services? They should follow Nerds at Large Spoiler Cast. And that's where we're also going to have like our Infinity War spoiler cast and just anything Endgame. else. Oh, uh, yeah. I keep saying that. Endgame, Endgame spoiler yeah. cast. Endgame. Yeah. So Nerds at Large Just in case you guys cast. haven't seen Infinity War yet. <laughs> I know it's that. new and not everyone's seen it yet, but... <laughs> just and, came out um, on Netflix. You guys can also go to youtube.com slash nerds at large. We, we just recently got the custom URL. I was pretty happy about that. Nice. And then finally, the last piece of plug information here. What is your regular ass podcast about? The non-spoiler cast one. 
uh, pretty much same thing this podcast is about. We were looking, Woo! it's like, yep, we're talking about pretty much the same stuff, so we feel practiced. Yep. Uh, <laughs> you guys had a rehearsal before this, yeah. Yep. yep. <laughs> that's the Nerds at Large gaming podcast, not post every Monday, and me, Jeff, and a few other guests, sometimes Respawning Fire, uh, join and talk about video game news and what we've been playing and have a good time. Yeah. We're not quite as funny as Respawning Fire, but we both like Breath of the Wild, so I think that kind of boosts us. It makes you a <laughs> far superior podcast. <laughs> Only 50% of the people on this show like that game. <laughs> so here's the trick. Just do a line of cocaine before every segment. <laughs> so I was channeling my inner Jane Lynch there from Role Models. Um, don't do drugs, kids. It's stupid. And they're stupid. Drugs are stupid. Anyway, we've got a lot to talk about today. We've got uh, holding some thought on some Sekiro. We've got some Final Fantasy VII news. We've got a ton of shit, but first we're going to start by talking about our third-party quest log. What's going on in the world of the parties of the third? Speaking of thirds, Borderlands the third lands on September 13th. See what I did there? <laughs> See what I did there? Yes. This is from Imran Khan on, Khan on Game Informer. Um, this actually leaked like a day or so after the announcement of the game itself mm-hmm. from Borderlands Twitter, and then they deleted the tweet. But yeah, it's coming September 13th, and uh, <laughs> on PC it's exclusive to the Epic Games Store. No Steam launch. Yeah, the the next one in a long line of games that have done that recently. Yep, it just seems yes. like that's everyone's lining up to be exclusive on Epic. I think yeah. this is one of the biggest ones, though. I, I would I say know. so. Metro Exodus was, I don't know, is that big? I don't, I don't I have no... Not, like, no definitely not compared to Borderlands. <laughs> yeah. No. I guess you're right. Speaking yeah. of Borderlands, that will be our bar for the month of May and June. We are going to figure out some way to make Holden and I play it together throughout the whole thing. Nice. And I'm brainstorming ways that you, the audience, might be able to join in and play with us as well. Stay tuned. Probably having to do with our Patreon launching on May 1st. I'm just putting that date out there again just to make us commit to it. May 1st, Patreon, something <laughs> happening. And uh, if you're interested in playing along with us, either with us or just on your own and then chatting with us about it, um, it is on sale right now on every platform. So the Handsome Collection, we're playing Borderlands 2. It's available in that. So it's like 15 bucks on every system except for Switch. R.I.P. Switch. All right. Switch is dying. I feel like that's it. This is the last year Switch. That's an interesting yep. game to play now because I feel like it kind of established sort of the looter shooter thing. And not not like it's not like the first one, but it popularized it and everything's changed so much since then. Since yeah. Then. I, I also, would probably say it is the original looter shooter. Maybe. The first I one I know of, at least. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never played Borderlands. I don't really have much experience with looter shooters in general so it'll be a unique experience for me you don't have a lot of experience with like loot based games in general right like not really no action i I played destiny um i played a good amount of destiny one that's that's it that's a looter shooter i know but like it's not (laughs) i don't have a lot of experience with what i'm saying like that's the only one i can think of that i've really played i played a decent amount of it but it's the only one i've really played and that's also a lot different than Borderlands, isn't it? Borderlands yeah. is a lot more story-based than... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. Mm-hmm. It's great. It's going to be great. Right. Speaking of being great, GameStop is losing so much money is the title <laughs> of the next article. <laughs> this comes from Brett Makadonsky at Destructoid. Brett, fantastic uh, headline there. 
This has a lot of numbers in it. Hold on. I know you get hard for numbers. Will you take us through these numbers real quick? I'll take you these numbers. Yeah, so overall, they were down $673 million for 2018. Ay, that ay, means ay. that their net sales overall were down th- only 3%, which actually isn't that big. But um, I thought what was interesting is that their hardware sales went down by 1%. The software sales went down by 5%, but the pre-owned sales for their games went down by 13%. And that's the majority of... That's where most of their profit comes from is used right. games. So if used games mm-hmm. went down faster than other parts of their business, that's kind of concerning for them. I mean, they did get an 11% jump in collectibles, but that's not really something that they have a future, I don't think. Um, this is going to be a slow decline for them, I think. It's going to be kind of painful. This is To give yeah. some context, yeah. uh, this will help set up the next story we're about to read, too. To give some context, yeah. the last time they lost money like this was 2013 which happened to be right before the new consoles launched. And then before that, it was the year 2000, was the only other year that they've ever lost money. Um, So this is not something that happens regularly to GameStop. But we're going to play a quick game called When's the Last Time You Think You Went to GameStop? And can you figure it out? (laughs) I I think I know. actually know mine. Uh, I just heard that Shadow of the Tomb Raider was being sold like three days early at GameStop like by mistake. So I went to GameStop and bought it. All right, Before so that was that, what, November? I'm really not sure. <laughs> that was about six months ago. Okay. Okay, yeah. Jeff, when's the last time you went to GameStop? Uh, I don't know. I, it probably was in the last year or so, but it was kind of uh, I was just chilling around in a mall or something and just went in there just because. Did I, you buy anything? I don't think so. I think the last time I bought something was like right after the, or a couple months after the Switch launch, and I went there to get Bomberman R. Super Bomberman R. Hmm. All right. You contributed to their failure. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Holden, when's the last time you went to GameStop? Oh, I'm the most egregious here. I was, uh, yeah, I was a temporary like holiday person for GameStop one year and i still didn't buy anything that was the last time that i was there <laughs> so like they that was gave a long time ago money. right yeah it was that was like 18 months ago yeah 18 months ago or so yeah so i i kind of just got money from them and didn't give any of it back so i screwed them more <laughs> than anybody else <laughs> the last Could- time i went to gamestop was um i think over the summer fez won a participation trophy and he wanted $20 to Steam. And Steam doesn't sell digital gift cards on Amazon. And you have to be, like, friends on Steam and for three days in order to send money to them. So I had to go to GameStop and buy a Steam card. Now I do it at 7-Eleven. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's that over. probably they're explains doing... why they're tanking. Yeah, this is, it seems like it's been a slow decline for a long time. And it's still slow, but I feel like the last year it's starting to ramp up. I'm just seeing more and more. Yeah, troubling things from GameStop, and like like you said, if the pre-owned games are down, then I don't I don't know what to do for them. Yeah, at this I point. know mm-hmm. that's huge for them. I mean, yeah. I guess they, you become like they've already been going more towards collectibles, and like you go in there buying T-shirts and stuff like that. But I just don't know if that can sustain you. <laughs> well, like they, you buy collectibles when you go in to buy something video game related at GameStop, and then go, oh, they have a cool like Samus figure. Oh fuck, okay, I'll buy that. You're never to go right. to GameStop to buy that Samus figure specifically. It's something Unless that it's an amiibo. 
Unless it's an amiibo, but really GameStop's business model will be selling amiibos. I don't think that's going to work out. <laughs> <laughs> and probably most of those things you could get cheaper online is just an impulse buy in the store, basically. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it weird to think that like very soon there might be a day when you walk into GameStop to buy a pair of cool socks and then the game is the impulse buy? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Oh man, there's this used copy of Shadow of the Tomb Raider for two dollars and ninety nine cents. I guess I'll pick it up. But <laughs> not that I'll be like, not that I'll be completely mourning GameStop that much because, like I said, the last time I was there was six months ago, and I don't even know what the time before that was. But it will be a little sad to no longer have a dedicated gaming store. And if GameStop does fall, it'll basically end up, as far as an actual place you can go to, it's Best Buy selection and Target selection yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. I don't know. It's a little bit of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Do you guys buy games physically or do you buy them digitally? Um, generally, I buy them physically, but a lot of it has to do with um, Best Buy's Game Gamers Club Unlocked or whatever, where you get okay. 20% off, but that also expired. Piece. Yeah, that expired. Mine expired like two months ago, so who knows what I'll be doing from now on. We'll have to see. Yeah. And I usually I buy physical a lot because you save money, but I wish that I could get everything digitally. <laughs> I want to be di- all digital, but it's cheaper a lot of times physical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I uh, bought my first physical game in years recently. It was Kingdom Hearts, the story so far. All of the Kingdom Hearts games except for three, because it was like 25 bucks at yeah. at Newegg on sale versus having to buy all of that same thing on PSN for like 80 bucks for a game that I don't even know if I'll like. Do I like it? Do I not? Tune at the end of the month where we discuss our thoughts on Kingdom Hearts, which is our bar for this month. <laughs> um, next up, sticking with GameStop, GameStop suggests PS5 and next Xbox will be revealed soon. This comes from Dalton Cooper at Game Ranch. GameStop CFO Rob Lloyd assured investors that PS4 and Xbox One life cycles are coming to a close. He has a quote. With respect to new hardware, as we get closer to the end of the current console cycle for Xbox and PlayStation, we expect demand to decline as some customers choose to wait on the sidelines in anticipation of acquiring the next generation of innovative consoles. Yeah, I clear the story here simply because it's just another example of next-gen. Someone says something about next-gen. It's a headline. It's a headline. Yep. There's really nothing in here. It's so vague. Like It's as we get closer to the, the launch of the new consoles. doesn't yeah. mention any time frame. It just means, hey, as time passes, we're getting closer to the launch They're of the consoles. They're just saying, hey, y'all, we're selling nothing over here at GameStop. Yeah. And the last time we sold nothing, a console launched that year. So I think hopefully it happens again. <laughs> yeah. Also, I think a part of it, too, is, um, hey, guys, remember that last time when everyone's like, the console industry's dead and like you know no one's buying console? Don't worry, guys. New ones will come. It'll be fine. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty much kind of repeating that same thing. The only thing this quote says is there's going to be a next gen. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we <laughs> already knew. <laughs> I just get a kick out of these like next gen coming articles. I just want it so bad. Such crap. And it has com- to come this year so I can be right. I was about to say it's coming <laughs> this year, right, Chad? Yeah. Yep, yep. This is just further confirmation. <laughs> the consoles do, are coming this year. I do think it's going to be announced this year. Like or at least yeah. at least Xbox. Yeah, I'm warming up to that idea heavily. <laughs> Boom. I'm Can't... like that fucking fortune teller witch from Big. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fun fact, Chad is a third eye. He can see the future. It's the eye of my penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Guys, let's move on to playtime, <laughs> where we talk about what we played this week. And we're going to start with Jeff. 
Jefe uh, in Spanish because we are a bilingual podcast. Jeff, what did you play this week? Um, I played a good bit of Nier Automata. Ooh. Ooh. Is this We've been thinking playing about playing that. that. Nice. Um, yeah, I'm um, yeah, I'm not going to really do spoilers. I might just talk about the general uh, setup of the game and all that kind of stuff. Like, there are mm-hmm. multiple endings or whatever. Right. That Yeah. So I've just done the A and B ending, um, really. I'm in, in the middle of the C thing. Um, a and B, mainly going to say this for people who might just get into it, aren't you know deterred from continue playing. A and B are, it's a lot of the same. You're doing a lot of the same things, going for doing the same story for the most part. C starts ramping up and going crazy. <laughs> and for a lot of people, that's where they say the best part of the game is. And I can see that. It's just from where I'm at. That's awesome. Yeah, we're thinking of making that a barf sometime this year. It's just filling up so quickly with all these RPGs that are going to take two months each. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Near can take a while. There are a lot of side quests and stuff. Oh, but it sounds like some quests. pretty entertaining endings. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know for sure because I don't want to look things up, but I have a feeling there's... Because each um, ending is, has a corresponding letter to it. I have a fe- I got random endings that you can get you know, just while playing the game, I got one that went up to K. So I have a feeling it might go all the way to Z with a bunch of random endings. <laughs> <laughs> Dope. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. Darby, what did you play this week? I, uh, I've i played two games. I also played a game like from 2017 that I'm just now getting to. I've been playing Night in the Woods on the Switch. <gasps> I just bought that the other day. Yeah, I, I bought so it because it was, it was cheap, and Jeff's been telling me to play it for, like, two years now. Yep. yep. And, yeah, it is a game that's right up my alley because it's a very story-centric game, and it's kind of like BoJack Horseman visually where it's animal people, but they're basically just people. Like, yeah. <laughs> they just act like people, but they look like animals. Um, and you play this girl named May who's 20 years old and she just dropped out of uh, college and she's back in her hometown. And it's very, like, I relate a lot to it as someone, I'm 23 and kind of like, you know, post-college life, like, what are you doing? What am I doing with my life? There's some people I know who are like way, like way further down than me maturity-wise. And then there's other people that... (laughs) feel like they have their life together and let me tell you they're lying no one has their life together before 30 (laughs) i'm 29 (laughs) i can tell you that for sure (laughs) yeah so this is like it's super interesting because you're going through this and some of your friends are like yeah you're 20 go have fun do all this and then you talk to other friends and they're like yeah i have like taxes i have to pay i have to pay my rent my dad's sick i'm trying to work three jobs and it's like it's kind of, it's cool. It's a very like personal and real game. Not much gameplay. It's all about the, you know, just the text and the experiencing the day-to-day life. It kind of has the persona quality of like what am I going to do today? Who am I going to hang out with? And I I super dig that a lot. Is the music dope in it? Yeah, I think the music's pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's like it's no, nothing like too flashy, but the um, the cues come in at the right time, you know, when it gets okay. emotional. And then the other game is Baba is You, which... I've heard about this. I really want to play this game. Yeah. I am not normally a puzzle guy, like, at all. Usually I just get very frustrated with puzzles very quickly. Um, So I was not going to get this game, but my sister is huge into puzzle games. So I just told her, like, hey, it's 15 bucks. I'll buy it and we can play it together. I figured 
she'll be doing most of the work and I'll just kind of be there. But once I started playing it, I am hooked on this game. It is, if you don't know, it's really simple. It literally looks like it was made in MS Paint. <laughs> You're I mean, selling it me. Honestly, does. <laughs> but that kind of goes along with how simple it is. There's, it's basically a combination between word puzzles and then like physical puzzles. So it'll say you'll have the words Baba is you, and then there'll be like flag is win, and there'll be a flag there. So if you go and touch the flag, you win. But then it'll start introducing things like Baba is you, and then rock is push. And then flag is win. So whenever whatever's on push, you can push that. And there's sometimes I'll have like a very there'll be a very complicated puzzle with all these moving parts. And then I, I was sitting there, I was like, wait a minute. And I walked over and I put Baba is win and you win. What? <laughs> <laughs> they literally do all of that just so to throw you off. It's like, oh, the simplest answer was actually the answer. And it's really hard to sell this game talking about it. Because it just sounds really weird. But once you start playing it, it's so easy to grasp it, but really hard to master once you get into it because they do crazy things with the words. And like me and my sister both said, if you heard us playing this game but couldn't see it, you would think we were mad. We were absolutely crazy because we're just sitting here like, no, Baba can't be flat because Baba is Baba. (laughs) (laughs) There was one, it was like, water is water and hot. (laughs) <laughs> and what are you playing this on and roughly how much does it cost switch and it costs 15 bucks right now it'll probably oh, be on sale okay i'm literally opening up my switch right now <laughs> it is like yeah. i am like absolutely floored by how much i like it and i was sitting there i was like laying in bed at night last night at like 12 30 i was so tired and then i thought of the answer to this puzzle so i'm like oh god get the switch out <laughs> those are great moments yeah oh okay Okay. Yeah, if you're listening to this, definitely like Google what it looks like screenshot wise. Watch a trailer because you need to see like kind of it in action. I can't do it really justice talking about it because it just sounds yeah. weird. It's a weird Nindy game. Yeah, I love it's literally exactly fifteen dollars. It's not fourteen ninety nine. It's fifteen dot zero zero dollars. I love that. I love that. Just be real people, right? Cut, yeah, cut brain. the bullshit. You know. <laughs> Who are you saving a penny? <laughs> if you gave me that extra penny, I'd throw it on the ground anyway. I would love if they played with that, though, and be like, it's less than $15.01. <laughs> I would hate that. <laughs> that would be good. Hold in. What did you play this week? Oh, just Sekiro, of course. Oh, just Sekiro. I assume you just got Sekiro. nowhere further because you're No, I made something. a lot of progress, actually. Really? Yeah, I kind of... Uh, I'm not going to talk too much about it because I've talked about it for the past two weeks. But what I kind of find with this game is that when you beat a boss that you've been stuck on for a long time and you just get this crazy amount of confidence, just like, that's right, I fucking did that. I can do anything. And then as you get to the next few bosses or many bosses after that, I found that they're a little bit easier. Maybe it's because they're easier or because I just feel like I have this sense of, I just overcame that guardian ape. I can overcome this now, too. And you just they go into it that nothing is going to stop me, and you can just <laughs> overcome it because of that. And then eventually the the you know game just curb stomps you, and you, you realize you have to be put back in your place again. But um, you just kind of ride that wave for a little while, and that's really cool. And in being on Reddit a lot and talking to people at work have been playing it, and are now 
you know, a lot farther. What I found is really interesting is that bosses that I thought were easy, like I found this one boss, Oren or something like that, to be pretty easy. People were stuck in her for like, you know, 50 times. Like they took her 50 tries to finally beat her. But then I see people who beat the bull in their second try, and I, it took me an unbelievable amount of tries. Yeah, like you, Chad, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. And I didn't even cheese that one. I cheesed one boss. I cheesed one boss. I kind of yeah. feel bad about it. Hey, if you can um, do it in the game, is it cheating? I know. Is it cheating? That's right. <laughs> well, so, spoiler, any, anyone not want to hear spoilers here? Because I'm just going to go. Nah, I don't care. No. We're fine. Okay, so you're in like a poison pool, and you can sneak up behind them and, and backstab them to get one death blow out of the way. And then you can just kind of get them into poison and just keep them in the poison. <laughs> <laughs> and eventually they just die. <laughs> you nice. have to go and like hit him, but yeah. But I just—it was a repeat of a boss I really fuck, couldn't fucking stand. See that? So that's the difference. I do that, and I'm like, hell yeah! I've poisoned in the you, game. <laughs> and Holmes um, is like, I did not fight him with honor, and stabbed himself <laughs> in the chest. <laughs> I did have a really cool moment in the game, though, uh, where. I kind of realized how the game plays with you and kind of changes based on how you play the game. I'm sure many of you have seen the the ape battle yep. already. No. When you beat the ape, which I already thought was really goddamn hard, you cut its head off and then it wakes up. It picks up its head and it's just looking at you through a head in its hand and then picks up a sword and now you're fighting a headless ape. Oh, and that's it's, cool. It's, oh it's really that's cool. And it, it, but it still does the like shinobi execution after you beat the ape the first time. And then after that, he wakes up. So he kind of totally psychs you out. And then that's the second awesome. phase, I'm like, fuck this, man. I can't get past it. I already had a hard time getting past the ape. Now I can't do this. I'm going to go off and wander this other direction. So I go down that path for a while, and I come across a big opening. And I'm like, this is another boss battle. I just know when I walk in this room, something's going to jump up. And I'm just not doing it. So I'm going to try to beat that headless ape guy again. So I go back and I fight the headless ape guy. I beat him finally. I go back to that area. And now there's actually a giant monster in that clearing where there wasn't one before. Come to find out, there's only a monster in that clearing if you beat the headless ape. If you don't (laughs) beat the headless ape, you could just go right through it. So who's waiting for me in that giant clearing? It's the headless ape with the sword and two death blows. I get his first death blow down the first try, and I'm like, absolutely, I'm going to kill it. Then he screams really loudly, and a second ape joins. It, it oh, was my just... God. See, if you, want, if, if you want to know why I don't play FromSoft games, just listen <laughs> to what Holden just said. <laughs> but when I you... want to try. I want to try Bloodborne at some point. But I, yes, yeah. Bloodborne. Everyone should play Bloodborne. What's cool about Bloodborne 2 is you can, like, Chad and I played it together. So when you couldn't get past a boss, we just helped each other out, and that makes it a lot easier. Right. Although they do scale the bosses to make it more challenging if you're playing mm-hmm. with two people, but you also just have an advantage. Yeah, which that's not in Sekiro at all, right? No, right. not yeah. at all. You right. got to do it all on your own, which kind of adds that reward. When I finally beat those two apes, oh my god, that was amazing. <laughs> that was great. If you get there, by the way, and we're listening, just fight the new ape. She's actually really easy to take out. And then go back to the headless guy again. Anyway, we can move on now. It's all for Sekiro for this week. I'll have okay, more great, to great. say next week, I'm sure. Great. <laughs> um, my playtime just looks like Kingdom Hearts. I am 16 hours in. I am what I on what I believe to be the last world. I'm almost done with this game. 
and you'll know my feelings about it on the end of the month. Great! (laughs) 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 Moving on to our next quest log for Microsoft. Very, very short. There's a rumor that Xbox Live Gold and Game Pass will be sold as a monthly bundle from Imran Khan, a Game Informer. They will be bundling Gold and Game Pass for a $14.99 a month subscription, apparently being announced soon. What's interesting to note is that if you were to buy the yearly game, or the yearly Xbox Live Gold, that's sixty bucks divided by twelve is five. Game Pass is nine bucks, so like you're not saving any money this way, but they're bundling it together, I guess, to make it easier to market and easier to to buy both rather than having two separate subscriptions. Yeah. I'm looking for the day when they finally make these both the same. Yeah, I, I don't think they're ever going to combine them. Like, and that's the only option. I think they're just going to keep them separate as an option. And some people may want just online or just Game Pass and not really want to pay the little extra for the other ones. Um, yeah. But I think the benefit of the price for this, yeah, it ends up being out the same if you get yearly for these things. But I think it's mainly beneficial for the people who get it per month because some people like to just do that. And mm-hmm. who knows? This is all we know. There could be a discounted yearly thing for getting the both together. We. Yeah, not in this rumor. Yeah, yeah. You know, actually, when you now that you say that, if if you were to buy Xbox Live Gold month to month, you would it wouldn't be five dollars a month. So this yeah. is kind of a discount if you do buy this monthly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's where the discount is. And as I was saying, like on our podcast this week, um, I do think it's smart for them. They need to start bundling these and kind of packaging these together more and more because I could totally see like someone's mom who doesn't know anything about video games being confused by xbox live and xbox game pass like what's the difference what is this stuff you know it gets confusing yeah absolutely i think it's also like the um internet service provider model where like you have they'll say hey we have home phone and um and uh, internet or sorry tv um phone and, and internet you can get just the tv from us and go elsewhere for other stuff if you want to but if you get everything together it's going to be cheaper and I think as we see a lot of these services competing for streaming services and like online access and like their um, kind of Netflix style service, like they're going to want to bundle together just to get everyone to be in one place at least to keep yeah. at least from not mm-hmm. sampling different services. So yeah. it, it makes sense. It's happened. I'm sure PlayStation will have one. I'm sure Apple will have one when they have all their services finally come out. They'll have like a mass bundle for everything. You know what Actually, I had Apple's about definitely right going to need to do it because they have the Apple Arcade, they have the Apple Music, they're going to have the TV service, their news, their, the news. They have they're they have, have a lot. They're going to have a family content thing. Apple and Google mm-hmm. are just going to be at an actual war for our lives. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the longest war ever put on film. Is your doctor provided by Apple or Google? Because the Apple doctors are way better. <laughs> I mean, that's true, though. So <laughs> the Google doctors will sell all of your medical information. Yeah, they don't. They're not HIPAA compliant. <laughs> the thing is, I mean, can, can you guarantee that you saying that is not going to just be a normal thing in a few years? <laughs> no, Unfortunately, no. Uh, what this actually does, I think, that's cool that I hadn't thought about until right now is I'm one of those people who I can't remember the last time I turned on my Xbox to play a game. So my Xbox Live Gold has lapsed, but there have been a few games that have come to Game Pass. And I'm like, man, I would I would totally re up Game Pass for a month, but then I don't want to pay for Xbox Live again for a year as well. So this is actually a nice way for me to like play for a month mm-hmm. and then drop it. 
Yeah, and Jeff, that's kind of your problem right now, right? You have Xbox Game Pass for the games, but you have no friends who have Xboxes. So yeah, it's... luckily I'm not too like the main ones that involve the online thing are like Sea of Thieves and PUBG, which aren't technically my kind of games to begin with. So not the biggest loss, but yeah, I got Game Pass through like December of next year because <laughs> it was on oh, sale nice. for like sixty bucks per year on Black Friday or something. Have you played Ashen yet? I have not. That's one I want definitely want to get to. Oh, I can't freaking wait to play that. And obviously I can wait because I haven't played it yet. But <laughs> <laughs> next up, we're going to jump into our Sony Quest log, where we also have just one story. Also, you guys, it's hotter than the inside of a headless gorilla in here. So I might end up taking <laughs> off my shirt. Nice. Um, Sony revises refund policy for PlayStation Network. Again, Imran Khan from Game Informer. You are just like killing it, Game Informer. Sony allows <laughs> refunds for digital games that haven't been streamed or begun the download unless the content is faulty so this is actually new where before you couldn't really request a refund if you download it from psn uh to be clear if you download it you still cannot request to download uh, a refund um unless the content's faulty so there's a lot of stuff with like anthem coming out saying hey it's breaking my ps4 that kind of stuff so people were allowed that but what i also think is cool is that this also comes for pre-orders so there's a 14 day return window for pre-orders before you were, if you pre-ordered a game, like if I had pre-ordered Last of Us Two right now, then I'm locked in. I cannot undo that pre-order. Whereas like GameStop, you can just be, yeah, take my five dollars off that game. But now you can. So up until 14 days before the game comes out, you can cancel your pre-order. Or if you ordered it within that 14-day period, you have another 14 days after it came out. Uh, they recommend turning off automatic downloads to prevent, because uh, once it's downloaded, you can't be refunded. So that's pretty fun. And this also includes support for PS Plus, PS Now, and Spotify Premium, even after you've started using this subscription. However, does not include PlayStation View. Thoughts, gentlemen? I, I think it, like this is definitely it's good. It's good that like if you accidentally buy something or you buy something and you hear like you said that it's bad, you have an option to refund. Obviously, it's a little worse than like I think Steam lets you play if you've played like under an hour or something. You yeah, can hour or two or something like that. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. something like that could be nice. But then also you get to the problem where like I can beat Gone Home in an hour <laughs> and refund right, exactly. It. But <laughs> that's kind of the part of the problem too. That's it. I think they made it something different for those games. I think I heard. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not the games I, like that. I'm not 100% obviously sure that concern came up when right with a Steam policy. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure how that works with Steam. Like maybe it's a sliding scale, but if there was something where like you know, like in Steam, you can try a game, and if the game's just completely like not for you or it's just completely broken in the first little bit, you can you know get rid of it. But so this is like, mm-hmm. I guess a half step, but it's a good thing. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. I think it's a shift they have to make as they're bringing all these games. Like they get they got rid of the digital codes, the physical digital codes. Mm-hmm. So I think they're just trying to make their online store more carefully considered to make sure that I have less issues going forward because they're going to have a lot more people coming to them now. You know, one thing I was actually uh, kind of connecting the dots here. I was listening to Kind of Funny Games Daily maybe last week, and one of the hypotheses they came up with for reasons why they might be pulling digital codes from stores is because it's hard to figure out a refund for that process. Like if you bought a digital code from GameStop and then redeemed it on PSN and then you need to refund that for some reason, yeah. does GameStop refund you? Does PSN refund you? It, like, so this might they might have just canceled all of that in preparation for putting this out. I don't know. I, I think that the solution they have in here would also work 
if they were still selling the digital codes too. Because they're saying that like if you cancel your pre-order, the money is going to be returned back to your PSN wallet. So they could do that too. Like if you bought the code from from GameStop, uh-huh. you basically have sixty four dollars and like whatever cents with the taxes for that game on that card, basically. So they could just return that to your PSN yeah. wallet in that context too. So. This mostly won't affect me because I, if I buy a game online, I immediately click the download to my PS4 button. So yeah, I'm kind of, <laughs> yeah. but I mean, I guess maybe pre-orders. I might pre-order some things now more frequently if I know I can cancel it. Also, though, I'm also going to pre-order my games maybe a few days before it comes out. That way, I have longer to return yeah. it afterwards. I can play no. it a little bit before. No, you can't play it. If you download or, it, you yeah. can't return it. Oh, that's right. That's right. Or at least to hear but, something. Yeah, you can at least hear. Mm-hmm. If there's yeah. like some colossal, horrible problem, then you can... Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But in reality, you're going to pre-order it so that you can download it to play it on day one. Yeah, I mean, that's... Like you said, for me, most of the time, if I'm at the point where I'm pre-ordering a game or I'm doing this, or usually if I'm buying a game at all, it's because I've looked into it, I know I'm at least interested in it, and... Mm-hmm. I, I don't see many situations where I buy a game and then immediately want to refund before I even play it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're people that do video game podcasts. We usually know what we're getting into when we're buying a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but also like you want to play the game and make your own opinion on it as well. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of, a lot of times too. Um, like if I'm talking about Sekiro, I'm not going to be like, well, I heard online that it was really hard, so I'm just not going to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> what are you trying to say? You're making fun of me because I abandoned it because like, it was hard. If I could, and I'm so sorry, Holden, but if I could get a refund for my Metro Exodus copy, I would be pretty happy right now. Ooh. <laughs> Burn. Ooh. I just could not get into that game. No Tegusta? What was it about it? Just the awkwardness? <laughs> oh, I mean, I had six times where I had to restart the game because of glitches, which is yeah. an oh, issue. I had, it crashed on me twice. Yeah, and also, but but more than that, I mean, taking that completely out, it was just, I, I don't know. So the it felt very the gameplay felt felt very clunky. It didn't really seem like it was doing anything that special, and the I don't know the the story didn't grab me that much, and just the voice actors are just <laughs> yeah. There's just a bunch of things. It just seemed like a really clunky game. It had like the clunkiness of like a Fallout and something like that, but it didn't really have a charm that was pulling me in either it just kind of seemed like it was just going and it was like yeah no i don't actually entirely disagree with you i love those games for kind of what their intentions are and just kind of looking past a lot of those issues oh man holden he officially just uh, my my position on metro exodus was i'll buy it if it goes down on sale for like less than 30 bucks and then maybe i'll play it but now i'm not even gonna buy it unless it's free (laughs) i still think that the story how far did you make it did you make it to the government at least no not really that far i was um i think i i guess i'm still in the first general area like i i'm still the train is still like kind of stopped basically i'm still like okay going and doing like side like side stuff and different things there i see i wasn't completely sure and i might Um, i might jump back into it because it's definitely not like aggressively bad it just wasn't 60 dollars either you know i kind of wish that I will say that I I maintain that one of the greatest, I think, story twists in games that I've played is in that game. It's a really great moment in the game. Are we talking about the 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 first big twist? Nope. Okay. Nope. 
Because when I, whenever I heard you on the podcast, I thought you were talking about that one. I was like, I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that one. That only guy's got terrible opinions. That one's kind of like an obvious, like, well, yeah, like the story had to go somewhere, so that had to happen. Right. This next one's like, oh, shit, that's okay. majorly fucked up. Right. And then you just have to respond to that twist immediately. It's a really cool moment. I, mm-hmm. I thought at least. But I also like the series. Yeah, so I liked um, it might 2033. Not, it not, but I kind okay. of like, I almost feel like the linearness served this better. It was just, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I wasn't loving the open world. Like, I, it, it felt like a double A game with triple A ambitions. That's exactly, yeah. Yeah, and I don't exactly know if it, it quite yeah. could handle what it was striving for. Yeah. All right. yeah. Next up, we're going to jump into fetch quests. These are the ones that are basically just headlines because there's not much meat to these stories. Jumping into Final Fantasy VII Remake adds new director. Um, what actually is going on here is that the design lead is now stepping up to co-director to join the other director. When I read this Yay. headline at first, I was like, oh shit, another person is leaving this game and they're going to have to find it. No, it's just. So that means it's coming out 2019, right? No <laughs> episode one that. is. Episode maybe. One is. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> episode one prologue ground zeros. Exactly. <laughs> Birth by sleep. And my, my stupid ass would be there day one. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> oh my god, the first half hour of the game is available. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's all a cutscene. <laughs> It'd be you and like everybody else though. You definitely yep. wouldn't be alone. Well, I told Jeff, Jeff said that like Kingdom Hearts 3 was a game that even if it came out with like two out of ten, he's still gonna buy it. This is the first time I'm gonna experience that because it doesn't matter what people say about it. I'm obligated to go. It's like I opened up the game and just past the tutorial, it just crashed. Well, I guess I'll just find out what the tutorial's like. I have to see what the tutorial's like. I, got I have it. to lay my own eyes on it. Yeah. What was it? Was it Final Fantasy 15 that put out the tutorial for the game early? Um, uh, yes, yes, and you could you had like a toy hammer, and you were a kid, and you were like bopping things on the head with yes. a toy hammer. Yeah, I know you're talking about. Yeah, that. yeah, yep. Is so, it the platinum or something like that? Like they did a platinum there's the demo. platinum demo. Well, the platinum demo was something else, but then they also had That's this right. little thing where you could like get a special summon from. That's it. right. They had like, multiple demos leading up to the launch of that they game. Did. Yeah, I named and my summon James Franco. <laughs> what? I named my summon James Franco. <laughs> so if I ever decide to play Final Fantasy 15, my summon's going to be called James Franco. So that's that's something I get. I'm yeah. excited for you. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Next fetch quest: Man of Medan, 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 Medan. We'll call it Medan. Medan. I think Medan. I don't know. Medan. Medan. I don't know. Medan. Confirmed for summer 2019 release. <laughs> this is um, not ready at dawn. Un- until dawn until super- dawn supermassive game supermassive yeah. that's it until yeah. dawn creators supermassive this is their new anthology series kind of based around the idea of until dawn where you have a cast of characters you play through some horror stuff uh and this is coming out this summer which is great can't freaking wait i did not know this news that they had a general release window we yes. were actually i think we were talking about that in the last podcast I was like they seem to be ramping up what they're kind of showing slash showing us at shows like it's gotta be coming soon and yeah. apparently it is hype yes that's a good date that's a good yeah. time for it. Yeah. Just more summer games, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> it's it's not, it'll, yeah. Be on, it'll be on sale and stuff probably for the Halloween time then, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah but we're all going to have it beforehand because we support great creators and great games. 
Exactly. But a lot of people right, will pick it up the time period is what I'm saying. And also, I want to stream this game. I want to dip my toe into Twitch streaming for the first time, and I want to stream this game with people's opinions. I'm telling you, you guys are hilarious and have awesome chemistry. You need to stream. It would be amazing. Oh, <laughs> maybe we'll stream some of Borderlands 2. I don't know how that would work. I don't know! Apparently, a Mixer, you can have two people streaming at the same time. No one's going to fucking do Mixer. I'm just saying I've heard this. No one's going to do Mixer. Okay, how did Drake and what's-his-goddamn from Twitch Ninja. all stream together? It was probably on Periscope. I think it was on Periscope. Oh, that sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, 2019 is ramping up as well for E3 as Nintendo's E3 website goes live. It's just basically a website that now says, hey, this is where all our E3 stuff will be. There's some tournaments. That's right, tournaments, because they have the Smash tournament and the goddamn tournament. Yeah, Splatoon, yeah. I misspelled Trilogy. I had to change that, sorry. Trilogy? What are you talking about? Oh, just in the head I saw Trilogy and I misspelled it. I spelled it T-R-I-O. Oh, it still O-T-Y. says Triology here. Online. Triology. So <laughs> yeah. thank you for calling I just out. changed it. Yeah. Ah, now it says Trilogy. Great. There we go. Assassin's Creed, quote, Behind the Kingdom, scenes. Reportedly about Vikings. This is a rumor that has been pretty much confirmed now by Jason Trier at Kotaku. Um, there has been a, a tease in The Division 2 <laughs> where you can find the golden apple in a spot. I, don't, I didn't play The Division 2, but apparently it teases a Viking-based um, Assassin's Creed that Jason Trier has said, I've known about this for a long time, but I didn't say anything, and yeah, it's basically, it's going to be that. I just love it. Jason Trier says that it, it's just fact immediately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it wouldn't be an Assassin's Creed game if it didn't leak early. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And by early, you mean like this game is coming out in 2020, probably the fall. So like 18 months early. <laughs> Could be a next-gen launch like title. <laughs> Ooh, no, it wouldn't be a launch title if those are launching this year. So, oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, Jeff, yeah, come on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you idiot. <laughs> sorry. Um, part of me <laughs> thinks that that's why they are. I mean, I'm sure they're doing it for money, but that's why they recently remastered Assassin's Creed Three because a lot of that was like jumping between trees. I never played it, but I, my assumption was it was jumping between trees. There's a lot of axe and throwing axes and that kind of combat. So maybe that like lends itself well to Vikings. Who knows? Oh, Who knows? Okay. I mean, the Vi- so, like, like, Viking setting makes perfect sense, especially with Assassin's Creed kind of going more into like supernatural stuff. When you introduce Norse mythology, there's so much you can play with, obviously. Yeah. And they're like ship combat. You can kind of copy and paste that over and make it Viking ships, you know? Yep. It just works. Um, but I did say on our podcast, I think there's pretty much, you know, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. It, it's super weird because there was Super Mario Odyssey and then Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Now there's going to be Thor Ragnarok and Assassin's Creed Ragnarok. Confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> <Like 100%. laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> <laughs> then Cyberpunk 2020. There's some words. Cyberpunk 2077 has no game over screens for failing a mission. Uh, there's a quote from the developer who says, for example, Weber suggests that while protecting an important client, there is nothing stopping you from calling in at a restaurant for a burger. If the client dies while you're getting your fill of food, then the game just continues on. Just because you failed the job doesn't mean you failed the game. Uh, you can still like die in the game and mm-hmm. have to restart or get a game over screen, but failing a mission does not provide you with game over. Yeah, this kind of just plays into the whole tabletop experience thing. Yeah. So that's it, very, very cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, it's exciting stuff to hear, and it's one of those things that, like, I'm obviously still going to hamper my expectations some because every developer kind of promises things, but 
when it's CD Projekt Red, I'm kind of inclined to believe them a little bit more when they're going for ambitious stuff like this. Yep. They also showed off that 45-minute demo. Like, they're not hiding anything. Yeah, that's, that's. I don't know if you can call that a vertical slice if that's 45 minutes. <laughs> I know, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was incredible. Mm-hmm. I've literally rewatched it. <laughs> oh, I, I've rewatched it multiple times. Yeah, it's amazing. And we'll it see more in two mind. months. Oh my god, I can't wait. Well, and uh, me and Jeff were talking about like me playing it, Jeff playing it, but then on stream we make a character that's just a completely incompetent mercenary that just like accepts <laughs> jobs and then goes and eats burgers and just yeah. <laughs> goofs off and doesn't do anything. <laughs> that's awesome. And then finally, The Elder Scrolls Six will scan in real-world people and environments to make things more realistic. This is exactly what Battlefront did with all the Star Wars props, which I think ended up being really, really cool. Now it's all about, like, now that it has all these high-resolution high models and people, like, can their game engine handle it? Probably, yes, if it's going to be on next-gen. So, we'll see. Yeah, there's the Bethesda worry as far as can their engine handle it, but... Yeah, it can handle bad faces, so if it makes everything really great looking... <laughs> Maybe the whole... Yeah, that's the, through basically the whole time. The engine went, oh, the faces look good now, we'll make these work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, we just looked at the faces and they looked like shit, so we thought you wanted the game to run like shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to jump into our Nintendo Quest log and talk about a couple of interesting things. One, <laughs> the internet has branded that there was a... Um, a Best Buy Nintendo or a, a Best Buy Direct, a Nintendo Best Buy Direct, um, <laughs> where Best Buy leaks a shit ton of information um, for upcoming Switch titles, which include Persona Five, Metroid Prime tr- Trilogy, and A Link to the Past, all of which were listed on their back, like their uh, behind the scenes Best Buy logs. Uh, this comes from Matt Perslow at IGN. Leaked images um, from these confirm all of these games. Wario 64 has confirmed this. And then Link's Awakening is already posted in the same database, which is a game we already know is coming. So it leads us to believe that all of these things are real, even though only one of them, no, none of them have been announced. Nope. Persona 5, Metro Prime 2. Okay, first of all, Persona 5 on Switch. I think we all knew that was coming eventually. Yeah. Yeah, based on... Um... Well, they said they had teased earlier in the week Persona 5S, and that announcement's coming the day after Persona 5R. So people are thinking R is going to be PlayStation 4, the S is probably going to be the Switch version, which yeah. may not have all the little extra stuff R is going to add. Yeah. <clears throat> and then Metroid Prime Trilogy. God, I can't freaking wait for that. <laughs> yeah, kind of the most interesting thing here, because honestly... I, honestly, we all expected Metroid Prime Trilogy, and I expected Persona 5, even though like a lot of people were saying, no, it's Sony exclusive. I really think, I mean, we don't we don't really know what that contract is, and it just... Or if there is a contract, or if there is a put it on PlayStation. Yeah, and with yeah. Joker coming to Smash, it, it just seems like it makes sense. The weird thing yeah. here is a link to the past. Like, is yeah, that I a remake? I totally agree. Is it a... Yep. Are we getting a remake for that and Link's Awakening at the same time? It would be really strange if, because if if this is in the Best Buy database, this is a game coming out this year. They're not going to put in the database, and it's coming out in a year or two. Like I just don't see that. It'd be very strange. Not only that, but it's also coming out physically. It is going to be a big physical release, not just like a five dollar digital download. Exactly. So this is not like a virtual console. They're re-releasing it. Like why would they release a physical version of an SNES game on Switch with a cartridge and everything? It'd be very strange. 
But it'd also be strange, too, if they announced a second, a, a third 2D Zelda game in one year. Oh, yeah, because of the Crypt of the Necrodancer. Yeah, like, yep. that'd just be really, really strange. That's just a lot of Zelda in one year, especially when we're, 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 we're about a third into the year at this point, and we still don't even know when Link's Awakening is coming out. So... Mm-hmm. Is that coming out in the summer and then links to the passes in the fall? That's just, I don't know. It's just, it's strange. Yeah. Who knows at this point what exactly they're doing? Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll take all the Zelda though. Just give it to me. Oh, absolutely. I'm not going to complain more Zelda. I'm just yeah. curious what's happening. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. like, it's too good to be true. Like, no, don't break my heart here. Like, be mm-hmm. real with me. Are we getting three <laughs> Zelda games this year? Yeah. I almost feel like, like if I was on the business side, I'd be like, just let them enjoy Link's Awakening this year. Push a link to the past next year. Like to have yeah. a Zelda every year, basically. But I mean, hey, I'm yeah. down for it. It feels like what they tried to do up till I guess last year or something. Yeah, they at least had something Zelda related. It felt like. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the cadence has always been about every two years or so. Mm-hmm. You have a new Zelda game coming out. To have three in one year would be just unprecedented. That'd be amazing. Anyway, though, we you do know what game I had a terrible Zelda time come. with. <laughs> Zelda A Link to the Past. You can hear my thoughts about it on our side quest for Barf from January. You know what else I had a really terrible time with? Zelda Breath of the Wild. <laughs> and that's getting full VR support later this month. Oh my gosh. How the hell is this going to work? Nobody knows because Nintendo hasn't told us. But it's probably going to be awful. And here's why. <laughs> because we all know Labo VR is coming. And every single thing that they've shown, there's no head strap for the VR headset in any of those Labo VR things. But you can take that Labo VR kit and use it to now play the entirety of Breath of the Wild in VR. So everyone's like, do I hold this up to my face and play with one Joy-Con? Is that possible? My arms are going to get so tired. So no, what you do... No, there's a a picture already of Mario playing the Switch like this. What you're supposed to do is have both Joy-Cons in the Switch and hold it up to your face while you're controlling it with your hands right next to your face. That will work for two and a half minutes. Like just, can you? I mean, I played Breath of the Wild for an entire weekend. I would never be able to do that, holding my hands up to Why my face like that. I picture like a little kid playing all of Breath of the Wild like that, and then he puts it down. <laughs> his arms are swole. Like he's just like, ripped. <laughs> We're gonna have a next generation of just like mutantly strong kids. <laughs> yeah, that it sounds terrible. I, I really honestly can see no way that this is not awful but I mean, yeah okay it, it, i think it's one of those things that if you're already getting this labo thing for your kids which is really the the main reason you'd be getting this it's mm-hmm. a simple little thing to have fun with your kids i guess it's cool to have this bonus little thing and it might be nice to go up to a roof uh um top of a mountain and then vr look around yeah it's like yeah. that was neat and then set it down <laughs> the most totally. you can also yeah. lay in your bed and just rest the labo on your face <laughs> and then use a controller so the other part of this, too, is that the Switch screen is 720p, and it's bigger than most displays inside of VR headsets, which means that the screen door effect is going to be abysmal. Oh, On yeah. top of the fact that Breath of the Wild runs at 30 frames per second, VR needs to be between 60 and 90 frames per second to be... I think that's 120 for anything on PSVR. Uh, it's 90. Is it? It's, I'm pretty sure it's 90, yeah. So it's like 30 frames per second is just... Yeah, that's going to be an awful experience. It's going to be really bad, yeah. But what's worse than that, Like at least it's the entire game. It's not like something dumb and gimmicky, like select like mini levels. 
of yeah, the game, like they're doing with Super that. Mario Odyssey. It's literally the Cap Kingdom, Seaside, and Luncheon Kingdoms, but it's only like that they put, they say, is bite-sized versions of those levels. Um, that sounds horrible. That just sounds really bad. They picked also some of the worst kingdoms in the game to use. I don't know. Seaside's my favorite. Luncheon's not that great, but Seaside I love. But... Seaside I, is... I, yeah, all right, fine. That, I'll take that. That's fine. But Cap is not great. Luncheon is not great. Oh, yeah, Wooded Kingdom would have been... Yeah. Wooded would have been the best. Oh, Wooded would Wooded would have been great. Wooded would have been great. It's kind of <laughs> hard to say. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that feels more appropriate, though. What? Smaller experiences from like little snippets of the game rather than the entire game in VR. No, the entire game in VR would have been sick. Oh, uh, and yeah, that's what Darby, Darby and I were saying on the podcast yesterday. We were saying the Mario ones actually seems the better implementation because it's little so it's little bites like experience, especially if you got to hold up to your face and it's made specifically for this. Zelda yeah. Yeah. is now, hey, we're just gonna make this VR just cause we can. Yeah, like for for instance, like I mean Jeff has a VR I, I don't, but I've played his a lot. And like all of my favorite VR experiences have been like we made this for the ground up with VR and then I jumped into Skyrim VR and I'm like oh god this is it's making me sick it's terrible because they just like slapped VR onto an existing game which is what Zelda feels like if Mario if the Mario bite-sized thing is specifically made for VR it could be better I mean we just don't know none of this is worth getting this VR Labo VR thing for on its own which I've seen on Twitter and Resetter and stuff, people are planning on getting the VR set because of this stuff now. I'm like, eh. <laughs> You'll do it for like 10 minutes and be done with it, probably. Yeah, this is a classic example of, I'll wait and see what people online say. <laughs> I'm not putting money on Labo, something I already just didn't really care about for this potentially really shitty product. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I actually do think that Mario and VR would be way cooler than Zelda and VR if even if it was the whole game. I think there's something to say and and specifically in a real VR headset, not this cardboard thing you have to hold up to your face. Being able to look around a Mario level and see 3D platforming levels from different perspectives, I think would be really beneficial in, uh, to play in VR. Yeah. I think you'd gain a lot from the depth and seeing the depth of the jumps you have to make, but Astro also just again seeing from different perspectives. <laughs> yep. Yeah, Astrobot. Astrobot was so good. Astrobot rescue mission. I, I still haven't played that. So good, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have PS. I actually, I do think that would be a better than like that's how Mario Odyssey is going to work. You're going to be looking at a character moving around the world versus I feel like Breath of the Wild is going to be first person. Or do you think that's going to be third person as well? In the trailer, no, it looks like you're literally just looking like the regular camera, but it's in VR. However, that's going to work. I don't think it's first person so, at all. So just your head is the thumbstick. Pretty much. And it's in front of your face. Okay. Weird. That's what it'll look like. We'll see in a couple weeks. <laughs> okay. Yep. Yeah. It's literally coming out in like the end of the month. But the fact that they're not telling us details like this, is that a great sign? Probably not. I just yeah. sincerely <laughs> hope that, not that I have like these grand ambitions for Nintendo VR, but I do hope that Nintendo doesn't look and be like, Oh, the the Labo VR thing didn't sell well. I guess people don't want VR. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what else is weird? Actually- like PSVR, PlayStation's, and actually a lot of VR headsets, you're not allowed to demo it to people under 12. And you're not allowed to, to use it if you're under 12. But this is obviously marketed towards kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I wonder why that arbitrary 12-year-old thing came from the other headsets. 
Because no one wants to get beat by an 11-year-old in Beat Saber, which they would probably beat me. <laughs> yeah. No one wants them to be better at Beat Saber than they are. Uh, next up, we're jumping into our sponsorships. And we're going to do a couple of things. Actually, we're going to lean this out. Remember, because Participation Trophy is taking a hiatus for the month until we figure out our Patreon and figure how everything's going to work in May. And then hashtag thanks for creating last week, <laughs> month, week, month, week. We do weeks for that. <laughs> was uh, thank the creator of the game you most recently beat and then this week we're going to do thank the creator of the game you're most recently playing or have most recently played if you're not currently playing a game and then some other announcements one bar for the month of April slash March is Kingdom Hearts so if you're playing that along with us send us your thoughts on why you love it why you hate it why it's in the middle for you we're going to be having Trevor Bettis. <laughs> I just remember the first time I tried to pronounce his last name. It was like, Patatus. Trevor <laughs> Bettis coming on the show who loves Kingdom Hearts at the end of the month to talk about it with us. And then we're doing the nerd. The, God damn it. Fucking words. Nerds at large. Spoiler cast for Game of Thrones every single week starting next week for six weeks. It's going to be great. Go subscribe to Nerds at Large Spoiler Cast on all the podcast services or on YouTube or whatever you guys told us to do. Go back and listen to the beginning and listen to their plug and do it. Yep, do it. <laughs> and then for the first week in like three months, Ryan let us down. No! <sighs> Ryan let us down. We don't have a Ryan subscriber interrogative for this week. So uh, I wrote a heartfelt apology from him. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you guys, I'm really sorry. My daughter and my podcast is taking off and our house is being built and I'm becoming really successful and I just didn't have time to think of a question for you guys and um, listen to our show. It's called um, When Gaming and it's on all the podcast services and it's fun. We accept your apology, Ryan. Thank you. <laughs> I, I'm really glad you got him to voice in for that. That was really nice. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, took a lot of coordination, you know, because he's busy, busy enough that he couldn't yeah. even send us a question. Yeah. yeah, but he made time to come in right now. It's still not well, he, a question. He recorded and it remotely. He recorded yeah. it remotely, and I just hit play. Um, <laughs> he was on the go. So then that brings us to the end of our sponsorships, and we're going to talk about our main quest, which is game difficulty. How accessible do developers need to make their games? Holden, set us up. Yes, I want to create an important distinction between game difficulty and game accessibility. Uh, I want to make an important distinction between those two things. I think those are two different conversations. But basically what's kind of happened is Sekiro came out. It's really hard. And just like a lot of the times when a new From Software game comes out, people go, well, should it have an easy mode? And that sparks a whole conversation. And then this time it's also sparked a conversation about Game accessibility, um, a lot of people um, are saying that they just can't play Sekiro because it's too fast and it's inaccessible to them for that reason. There was someone, uh, there was an IGN article, um, someone talked about this and they said that they, their fingers will become dislocated because they're playing the game and they have to move too fast to respond. And it's just, it's a huge hurdle for them to play that game. So I wanted to talk about kind of that aspect to it of like making games accessible, and not necessarily just in the context of From Software, but in just game developers as a whole like what kind of responsibility do they have to make their games in terms of difficulty more approachable and in terms of uh accessibility needs more approachable 
I want to start with game difficulty first, and we'll kind of jump into the accessibility stuff. Because, again, I want to make sure it's, they're separate conversations. Because making a game easy is not the same as making it accessible. Is kind of what I found in kind of my kind of week of looking into this stuff. But I wanted to hear what your thoughts were on the topic. So starting off with game difficulty. To make start off easily, does there need to be an easy mode in Sekiro? I am of the opinion there does not. I When it comes to game difficulty, I definitely think it's kind of a game-by-game basis. And a lot of times I'm all up for, you know, give people the options to, of how to play the game, they, the way mm. they want to play and have fun. Um, but when it comes to Sekiro and even, like, I would say Cuphead is another one like that, I think the difficulty is the game, kind of with those, mm-hmm. and that's yep. in the, in those situations. I kind of feel like if you t- if you strip down the difficulty, the game you kind of just have a shell of the game. It's not the same experience mm-hmm. whatsoever. And the um the analogy or the example I used on our podcast, I think I said it on our podcast, or I might have just said it talking to Jeff. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I talked about, I played Divin- Divinity Original Sin 2, and that's a super, super, super hard game, and a lot of people play it for the super grueling difficulty. But then there's also a big like story and role-playing aspect to that game that's not at all affected by the difficulty. It's just like you could also just play it for that. And I was playing Divinity, and I was dying over and over again. And I know if I spent enough time with it, I could get over it. But I just wasn't having fun, and I kind of wanted to just progress more <laughs> because I love the role playing aspect of it so much. So I turned the game difficulty down, and it was great because the game, the you know, it let me role play more. The combat was you know, like passable. It was easy to get by, and I could focus on another aspect of the game that was awesome. And so I feel like it was great in that situation because people could be coming to it for different reasons, you know. Whereas that in Sekiro, I feel like it's way more that's the core game, you know. Yeah. I think that there is no, first of all, I wanted to say there's no right answer to like, should there be an easy mode? There's nothing right about any of these answers, but it doesn't mean that there can't be a fun discussion around it, which is fun. Um, but then I also watched, Daniel Dwyer did a no clip documentary it's about 15 minutes long about this topic and how they're all really kind of intertwined where should should they make it difficult for the sake of their art and that's the vision they had versus should they make an easy mode for people who want to play and experience that art but aren't good and then should they make it accessible and you really can't talk about any one without talking about the others and i do feel like especially when it comes to accessibility and difficulty that is part of the conversation I do really like the idea of these games being difficult and that experience being part of the art and the 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 um, vision of the creator. And I think you're right. If if you made Cuphead easier, or if you made these dead, dead not dead, Bloodborne and and Dark Souls and Sekiro, if you made them easier, it wouldn't be the same experience, and you wouldn't appreciate that game as much. But there is something to be said for accessibility, which we'll get into in a little bit. But I generally am of the idea of play the game. If they want to make it hard as part of the experience and the reward and the risk, mm-hmm. that's I'm all for it. And if you're someone who can't keep up with that, that's what Twitch is for. Yeah, I, I was kind of thinking about like natural obstacles people will face, like a mountain. Some mountains you can just climb up. Yeah, you have to climb up it, or some you have a road you can drive up. Everest will never have a road you can drive up to get there. If you've seen the view at the top of Everest, it's because you earned it. 
and you climbed all the way up there. For the most part, I'm sure maybe someone got a helicopter went up there one time. I don't know. But the point is, is that if you meet someone and they went up Everest, you have that shared experience, that shared singular experience of climbing up Everest. You know what they went through. And from softwares are kind of games are kind of like that. Where yeah, like it's when I meet singular... someone else who has a platinum trophy in Bloodborne, I'm like, dude, that guy fucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even if he's like just beat in the game you're like i know what it was like to to get through the blood starved beast i know what it was like to get to the nightmare immenses for the first time and deal with that stupid thing that shoots um what do they call it at you you don't talk about from the tower they just the shoot at you make you like the insanity thing and then yeah the blood loss whatever it is yeah um having an, like the the road up the mountain if you will in a game like Sekiro just takes away from that experience like the singular aspect of it is gone when you do that but not every some mountains have roads so like not every game is like that yep um yeah as far as the game the difficulty thing is i'm kind of with Dari is a game by game case and yeah Sekiro is one where i do kind of think an easy mode doesn't exactly fit as well and mm-hmm. honestly i haven't played the game so i don't know i struggle to think of a way that they could implement an easier mode without changing the game mechanics significantly yeah um yeah there are some games i think do well you gotta keep on mentioning cuphead as a game that kind of does the whole hard thing and not it actually does have an easy mode does it um but the way it works is if i remember right of course i didn't use it they take out a phase (laughs) or two of the bosses so you never get the full boss experience Uh... and you can't beat the you can't do the final boss in easy mode so that's where I'm stuck because I beat three bosses in easy mode and I can't beat them on regular, so I can't fight the final boss. Yeah, so <laughs> okay, that, that's a game. It does have an easy mode, so if you want to try to go through it and enjoy it in a way, you can, but you won't get the full experience. It, it sounds like they made that so that you can practice for the normal mode. Like you still yeah. have to play the normal mode. Yeah, and there are also games like Celeste do it well. It's also are generally a hard game where it does have a little easy mode thing with modifiers that you can turn on and off anytime you want and just kind of tailor it to. Hey, if you're having trouble with this one little thing, right? You can turn on this modifier to make it easier for you to get it done, or whatever, like, whatever you want. I think generally I, game difficulty, like it's not a bad thing if you have it, but it's not necessarily an obligation. Mm-hmm. I would say, whereas mm-hmm. accessibility is maybe more of an obligation. Yeah, at least I, I don't know. At least I think there should be a good effort for oh, yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's kind of where I feel. On it. To play devil's advocate, I, when I played Wolfenstein Two. If I would have played that on normal difficulty, I would have absolutely hated that game, and I would have never seen the end of it, and it would have been awful. But because I was able to put it on baby ass baby mode and go through it, and just fly it like it was, it's one of my favorite games from that year, and one of my favorite experiences this generation. That's what I need to do because I was beating my head against the wall, and eventually I deleted it. But I need to download oh, no, it on baby ass baby yeah. mode. I think the other side of this too is puzzle games. Like The Witness is a very, very mm-hmm. hard puzzle game. You can always just go online and just look up the solutions if you wanted to. But if you don't want to do that, how could they make that game easier? Are they going to change the puzzles and have a scalable puzzle difficulty in that game? Like f- for The Witness, it doesn't work. It's just not possible. I think you said the easy mode. Looking on YouTube is the easy mode for those easy things. Modes. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, no, I- but like, no, I hear you out. But some people don't want to play games looking at guides. They want yeah. to do it on their own. And figure well, there could it be out. like hint systems in there too. Yeah, yeah, but like a oh, big part of the witness is that the environment is your hint system. If you're not getting the hint, you're not paying attention to the environment. So to like to point anything out in the environment would would kill the puzzle. Oh, and yeah, also so like just from the bit I've just watched my sister play the witness, and honestly, if the, 
hint things were coming up every few minutes it would kind of kill the vibe of that game for sure <laughs> yeah <laughs> the mysterious vibe of that game mm-hmm. yeah let's move over to accessibility because i think that's yeah. kind of the, the more important conversation here um i do want to because i have my thoughts on, on this one is that I am so glad the conversation is happening because it's very, very important. I do find it odd that the conversation is popped up against Sekiro. It's like, hey, here's a game all about barriers and putting up barriers to play the game. Let's talk about accessibility options in (laughs) the game with the highest set of barriers. I just feel like this is better served being talked around like Yoshi's Crafted World, a company who like Nintendo, who is all about games being as accessible as possible. They're more likely to listen to this than I think from software is just putting that out there. Right. But also at the same time, I do understand that people with disabilities playing games want to play the same games everyone else is playing. You know, they don't want yeah. to pl- have to play Yoshi totally. and Kirby. And, you know, it's, I, I definitely not, understand that. I'm just saying that Nintendo is going to be more responsive to this message that will get it to happen. If Nintendo did this, then other companies are more likely to fall into line. I think Sekiro isn't... I don't think people are targeting from software. You need to make... But in general, no, no, no. they're using this it, as a launching point for the yes, discussion. Yes, exactly. I'm not saying... No, no one's attacking yeah. from software saying they don't care about anyone who needs accessibility options. That's not at all what's happening. But yeah, it's the conversation's been centered around this game because it came out coincidentally at this time. Yeah. So I think that discussion can still influence other companies as well. But, I know. Um, and I hope it does. I just... I, I have only really heard this discussed around Sekiro. And I'm like, this applies to so many other game studios as well, though. Well, an example... Oh, sorry. Um, an example that um, was a couple months ago of a game that came out, I think an accessibility discussion started popping up, maybe not to this degree, is Pokemon mm-hmm. Let's Go. Um, because that game is really only playable with motion controls. Right. The oh, catching mechanic. Right. Yes. So there are a lot of people who couldn't really play and, it. And it didn't need to be. Like... No, no. That game <laughs> does not need yeah. to be motion control only. Have it as an option for... 100 percent or make it the default on thing but allow people to turn it off i don't think they've changed that well, as far as i know i don't think changed it or not but in handheld mode you didn't have to use the motion controls at all so all you had to do is just let you use the joystick like you do in handheld mode like it wouldn't even be that hard they have the code written already they could literally just copy and paste it <laughs> i think it's because it obviously it didn't it wasn't a priority it didn't cross their mind which i also yeah. i'm not saying it's an excuse but i mean we read, I'm sure y'all read Jason's article about Anthem this week. Just yeah. another example yeah. of like video game development being turbulent and coming in at the very last minute. The game is barely together and we just finished it a few weeks before it's out. And I understand these developers are struggling and working until like five in the morning every night just to get the game out. And then someone comes in and is like, oh, did you do accessibility stuff? And they're like, no, <laughs> you know, because we barely made yeah. the game. Yeah. And it's not an excuse, and but it's also hard. <laughs> it's really hard, you know? That's actually a good segue into kind of where I wanted to go this conversation. And that's who is really in the best position to to help get accessibility options out there. And that's kind of where I was going with the whole like, From Software thing, too, is that, like, From Software is a single developer. Nintendo is a is a company who makes console hardware if you think about like accessibility options on apple devices we don't have a conversation about facebook the facebook app or the instagram app or the microsoft word app having accessibility options built into the app those accessibility options are part of the whole system 
and those apps can utilize those accessibility options in the system. So it doesn't seem like it makes a lot of sense to say, well, From Software needs to put accessibility options in this game, or you know, Insomniac or like Naughty Dog. Like I think it's really up to Xbox and Sony and Nintendo, like the console manufacturers, to implement tools that developers can use as they make their games. Because that's ultimately what an SDK is, like a development kit is, is you're getting a PlayStation kit that has all the tools to make games, which should include accessibility options as well. It takes, as you kind of put Darby, there's that pressure on developers, which is really big. This would lighten the load on that and also help indie developers help out and, and offer accessibility options. Like, is an indie developer a team of three people who can barely, like, finance the game on their own? Like, they want to make the game accessible to everybody, but it's an extra cost that I think is better held by the the platform holders. Well, yeah, and they're struggling yeah. to get their game bought, period. So mm-hmm. they're, it gets yeah. to the point where, like, and it, it sucks. I mean, it sucks, but, like, when you do accessibility options, and, and if, it is, if it is the developer, like you said, who's, like, all the, all the responsibilities being left on them... Sadly, from a business standpoint, they don't have an incentive to do it because you're going to do all this work for accessibility mm-hmm. options, and then very few people are going to use them because the min- there's a minority of people with disabilities. And I'm not saying this to uh, against them. I'm just saying this is, like you said, part of why it's hard for developers. You're asking them to basically do yeah. an act of charity for no money when they're already barely getting by. Mm-hmm. So that's yeah. why like the Xbox Adaptive Controller is great because exactly. that's a platform and, holder. Yeah, and right. exactly, they're in a position to do that. Whereas, you know, uh, Chucklefish Games is not. So the one guy, yeah. <laughs> or no, yeah. No, oh no, no, sorry, that's the um, that's the uh, concerned ape with Stardew Valley. My bad. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know, but they they publish Stardew right. Valley as well, yeah. though. Yeah. I think that what's interesting is that in the void of those first party solutions that we see on the hardware manufacturers, that there are a lot of companies out there. I think should be praised. Like if you think about Uncharted Four part of the main menu was you know like start load game accessibility like that was in there for color blindness and all these different options you had in there built from scratch and if you were listening to kind of funny games daily last week they had blind gamer on and he was talking about how ubisoft has come in and said hey can we pick your brain for a couple of days over at ubisoft headquarters and figure out how we can make every single one of our games playable by people with a wide range of disabilities there are software manufacturers or software developers out there that are putting this first, which I think if you're in a position, you know, like Apple, who has all the money in the world and all the hardware designers and everything like that, they can do that because they have the means that they're making the humanitarian choice to make those part of the operating system and the hardware itself. So I think if you are a company that's big enough like Ubisoft and you can make those decisions from the beginning to have these embedded in your games and you're thinking about this from the planning stages rather than at the very end. Oh my God, we just got it out. Did we do accessibility? I think that's a kind of a good cork in that little hole where all the leak is coming out. Um, that was a terrible me- metaphor, but it's like a good stopgap for now <laughs> until we see a solution from the first party hardware. So I think there are people out there doing great things. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, un- un- unfortunately, unfortunately it's a business and the people that are able to do that are the ones that have extra money. And they're doing it for their image, which is a great, I mean, it's a great thing. It's a great thing yeah, they're doing it, but small. No, for being honest, it's totally what it is. Like, we're kind. Mm-hmm. Look at us. We oh, love totally. people. I mean, you think, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it's a great thing. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, Microsoft is a corporation. They did that Super Bowl ad so that everyone would say, look at Microsoft being kind. 
now ignore all the corrupt stuff we're doing, all the bad stuff we're doing. I don't know <laughs> of the things. I just every corporation don't look at our email does some bad stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I agree. But that, it still like, helps just, people in the end. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. And yeah. console-wide yeah. stuff like the Xbox Adaptive Controller, that developers can make their game and put their game out, and even if they didn't do anything at a base level people can access their game with a controller that's better for them you know that kind yeah. of stuff is great some things developers definitely can do that like xbox and everyone else just, they wouldn't be able to really it would make sense for them to help out and this is something i saw in that ign article which is really good was saying that accessibility options can also just come down to text being legible and not being so small that no one can read them yeah, like I little things that. like that <laughs> i know i want that too i'm playing on a really small tv right now and i have to sit so close to it to read text because for some reason developers think we all have 4k tvs nowadays <laughs> Well, I mean, you should get one. So I, I should. I, should. I would like one. <laughs> the Witcher Three there are 4K was a TVs nightmare. Out there that are cheaper than that microphone. <laughs> I, that is true. That is true. Uh, I think one last thing to kind of mention out there that throws a wrench in all of it. Speaking back to Daniel Dwyer's point, is that if we make concessions and innovations to make games more accessible in a like an accessibility kind of way, does that then provide opportunities for them to be also made easier? using well, those same mechanics and then does that compromise the vision of the developer so like it's all intertwined well i mean if you look at the if if you take accessibility can be as little as fonts being more legible accessibility can be a lot of different things and i feel like a lot of people have complained that games have gotten so much easier over time and that companies like from software making really difficult games is a breath of fresh air because it's what they want to see again so there's something definitely to be said for that, I think. But I don't think that's concerning to me because we still have from software. We still have developers who want to make these very difficult experiences. We're always going to have a range of content. And I think as video games become a much more mature industry, just like movies, like if you don't like it, I'll, like, all right, a little tangent here. So my mom has um, had a stroke a few years ago, very mild, but she has symptoms where she can't like, she can't do with light sensitivity or she can't do with light too much or lights that change. So watching a movie like any Marvel movie is a disaster for her because it just it's too fast, the, the, all the cuts and that kind of stuff. And she's kind of like, well, like, I just didn't like those movies anyway. There's other stuff I can watch now. There's so much content there. I'll just watch Mad Men now because Mad Men's calm. It's relaxing. It doesn't like cut as much. So she just kind of made that transition. But also she kind of would have watched that stuff anyway. So there's a range of content in all mediums. And video games get to that point now where – there's a range of content. There's a range of difficulty. There's a range of genres that I'm not worried about games getting easier because there's still going to be something for me to play anyway. That's a long tangent, sorry. Well, thanks, Holden, cool. for bringing that main quest to us. We are going to move into our end game, which contains two segments. The first of which one is one that makes us look good. Speaking of Microsoft's commercial making them look good, we have a segment <laughs> called We Are So Fucking Humble That Makes Us Look Good. Where we allow our guests to kind of drive the episode for a, a moment and bring a topic of discussion that they would like to to talk about. So I'm going to turn it over to Darby and Jeff over here to lead the discussion for a bit. All right. Well, I, I guess I'll go first. Okay. <laughs> um, well, my topic, I figured I'd make it applicable to the plugs at the top of the show. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> my topic is about Game of Thrones. So I just generally kind of open question. I just want to know what would you guys really want out of a Game of Thrones game? Because honestly, the only we had 
there were there was a Game of Thrones game that was apparently really bad that I didn't play, and then there was the Telltale Game of Thrones, but and then there was some like mobile games. But other than that, I don't think there's been like a meaty Game of Thrones video game. I I, I think it would have to be an open world RPG where your decisions matter. That's kind of the basis. That's what, of what makes I would it want. so hard is because your decisions have to matter, but also it already has a lore where they've already decided who dies and how. Yeah. I guess He's, I'm just imagining a game in Westeros, and it's like my own. Yeah, I would. So it's all, a bunch adventure. of characters you don't care about. The game, the game's supposed to make you care about them, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, to, to me, like my immediate vision of it is obviously like visually and just kind of gameplay wise. I, I I think me and like, everyone else would immediately think Witcher Three and Cyberpunk. That's what I was thinking. Type, type <laughs> yeah. deal. But mm-hmm. the thing that would kind of excite me, and it might be too, way too hard to do. But I would almost want it to be a, almost like, I mean, stick with me, not in gameplay, but almost like an MMO in the way that you can choose a character. Like at the start of the game, you make a character and it's just like a soldier and you choose Lannisters or Stark, you know, you choose your region and by whatever you choose, that's where you start. You start in Winterfell, or you start in Lannisport, or you, the start, wall. you start at the wall, you do whatever, and then you kind of play a soldier and there's like, they can even make a side story if they want some BS story that they tell where there's an army fighting or something. And you're part of that army and you're going and you're like, and obviously I'd want the world to be open, but I think something like that could be cool where like, I have a different starting area than Jeff because Mm -hmm. I chose this, you know, that could be cool. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of twist it a bit and say, I think the game has to be, divorced from the source material like i think even though so-and-so may die in season two they might not die in the game or this person doesn't die in the show or the books they might die in this game and i i would love to see something along the lines of like darkest dungeon Mm. where you have a party of three or four people and you're maybe going through doing turn-based stuff no matter what but those people can die permanently and if khaleesi dies in your party in the first 30 minutes great she's dead for the rest of the game and someone else takes her spot and I think that'd be a really cool, like you meet other people from the books or the series. I would almost think like Fire them. Emblem, where you have the battle and you can <laughs> you can have your army of people. Yeah, yeah. death systems. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to be like a a very unforgiving permadeath system. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree with that. I want it to live in the like lore of the game, so they're like pulling from nerdy ass stuff that because I read all the books <laughs> and everything, and like. I want them to pull from like the history of Game of Thrones, but maybe kind of branch off and tell their own. Like the actual story being told in the main, you know, daily in the game is a, a new story, but it's influenced by just the history of Game of Thrones because there's a lot to play with there. Yeah, I was thinking potentially, um, yeah, it's not in the time, the exact time as the Game of Thrones is going on. Maybe it's in the past. The game I'm referencing stuff in the past. Maybe it's one of those stories. You kind of just play that out. They're doing all these um, spinoff series. Maybe cut those and use that story. Those stories for a game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, HBO. You don't want that money, right? Yeah. <laughs> or didn't they say they were like planning like five different prequels and they only chose one? Boom! That's four other games you could do. Yeah, <laughs> combine them all into one game. So there you expensive. go. <laughs> and release it in episodes and DLC packs and microtransactions. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You want that boss battle? Five bucks. <laughs> Developed by EA. Yeah. You can't fight in the mountain, man. You didn't buy the season pass. Oh, <laughs> uh, damn it. 
does any does any of us want like just a straight i want to play through the game the story of game of thrones as ned stark and then other people and then other people i, I get really so. tedious after a while i think also mm-hmm. it's just such a long story mm-hmm. and how would you as a singular character i guess you oh, do like gta oh, where you're playing this multiple would be characters. this would be eight games right like a game per season <laughs> <laughs> no, no, game five. I, I also don't think the stories of the books lend themselves to games that well. I think it would have to be something external. I think that yeah. a lot of like oh, the yeah. story of Game of Thrones is people in a room talking, and then sometimes there's action. Mm-hmm. I mean, there there is a lot. I think the world of Game of Thrones lends itself to a game, whereas the story absolutely, maybe doesn't. and that's yeah. that's 100%. where like The Witcher was great. They told their own yeah. story, but they told it with the characters from the books. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. The Witcher game is technically, like, canonical, but it's, like, after the events of the books. But it's just, like, as far as the story they're telling, it's completely new. But they're using, like, Mm -hmm. so many references from the books and everything like that. And that's what I would want because they have so much to pull from with Game of Thrones. They could also... Yeah. They also have a great direction, too. they have that we don't is that you know that Geralt doesn't die in any of those stories. (laughs) We don't know that any of these people don't die yet. (laughs) I mean, that would be an awesome twist. You're playing this character and then suddenly you die and you're playing someone else. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) It'd be crazy if, like, Eddard Stark died or something like that. It'd be nuts. It'd be wild. Spoilers. (laughs) Oh, I think it'd be kind of cool if they took it in a very different direction and said instead... It is the game is you are part of the Night's Watch. You were over the wall in in the north, and you lost your group. And now it's like a survival game of you have to get back to the wall. Mm. And it's like an open world, north of the wall. You have to kind of scavenge and and figure it out. I think that would also be kind of cool too. Mm. Yeah, the other side of it, like yeah, we've been going broad and open because that's the obvious choice. But you could tell like smaller, almost anthology mm-hmm. stories. You just focus on you know, one tale of Game of Thrones and just, or one section and go for it. No, but, like, I think, um, what was it, um, Shadow of Mordor. Like, it's like, it's an open-world game, it's separated from the Lord of the Rings story, but it's in that lore. I think it's kind of the same thing. It's all in the lore, it just, it's an open-world game in that one section, like, of, of, uh, Westeros. Just like Shadow of Mordor, I believe, is only in Mordor. It didn't take place anywhere else in the game, or in the world, did it? I didn't I play know, it, I but played through, like, the I, th- first I think so. I think it pretty much just had one map. I'm not certain on that, though. Yeah. Yeah. But, cool. Um, I think right. we've I think we've discovered uh, our our game. I guess. Well, I la- last question: Do you guys think <laughs> we will get like a huge meaty Game of Thrones game, or do you think this will pass on before yeah. we get the game? No, I think at some point we're gonna get one. I think the world is too rich for it. Yeah. I don't think so, man. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw what's happening with Walking Dead. They try like Walking Dead is another one of those things where like we don't know who could die, who could live, blah blah. And we saw like one really great Walking Dead thing from Telltale, and then a lot of trash. And in fact, the most recent one is is like that whole company's going under right now too. Yeah, for that I forgot name. Overkill's The Walking Dead. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that one. Yep, that's the one. Yep. I don't know. I hope so. I mean, I guess just Spider-Man has made me start to believe that any licensed thing can actually be good now. But that, yeah. but I need to realize that licensed things are still often bad. So. Yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, Darby, for that thrilling discussion. Jeff, what is your topic? Okay, so this is maybe kind of an open thing. I'm just kind of throwing a vague thing and interpret it as you like. Um, so maybe what we can discuss is games or game series that we all think 
um, may not meet up to their full potential. Like, what games do you think, whether because of the people who work on the game, the general premise of the IP, think could be better than what we might have gotten so far? Well, we we mentioned one already, and that's Metro Exodus. That definitely... <laughs> that's Metro what came series, to mind for me, too. <laughs> yeah, that didn't... Has, oh, it's such a cool idea. I love... Especially Metro Exodus, you get deeper into that game. Some of the stuff they do in the open areas is really, really awesome. I just wish they had a AAA budget. I just want them to have a AAA budget so badly. I completely agree. I mean, Metro Exodus could be a game that I absolutely love. I mean, like mm. you just post-apocalypse apocalypse in Russia. That's just such a weird thing. We don't. I don't think I've ever played a game set in Russia before. It's just interesting. No, it's a it's a very unique tone and aesthetic that I love. But yeah, and, and honestly, it really—I honestly do feel like if you threw more money at that studio, that game could be great. <laughs> it's, it's sad, yeah. To hire potential. actors as opposed to people on the streets, I guess is who they got. Just whoever they had in the office at the time. I can't. Remember, there was like an eight-year-old girl that was like, "This is obviously like a thirty-five-year-old woman trying to <laughs> trying to voice this little girl." Well, Jeff, you had a controversial one that you that you yeah, had thought of this coming up. Yeah, the one I thought of that made me lead to this is Pokemon is the series I think doesn't live up to its full potential. It kind of with um, Metro Exodus, which is a double A game with triple A ambitions. This is a triple A game that kind of has double A ambitions as far as the budget yeah. it looks like they put into the games. I mean, I've I've seen this as someone who loves Pokemon. I'm excited for Pokemon Sword and Shield, but part of me just really wishes they put more into it and try to do different things instead of what seems to be an iterative sequel. Yeah. It feels like we're how many years, 20 years later and we're yep. still basically playing the same game. Yeah. They tried yep. something a little different with um, Pokemon sun and moon where it's not gyms, it's Island trials. You do a little, some a little something there before you do the battles and stuff. And they they tried to do a bigger story and stuff, but wasn't as well received and, yeah, and they always try to fall back on the Gen 1 nostalgia, the last couple of Gens, which I find annoying <laughs> at this point. <laughs> yeah, it's, we've said a bunch of times, Pokemon is like a series that has been held back by its own popularity because it's just, they have no incentive to not play it safe because everyone keeps buying yeah, them. Yeah, they have the money to do yeah. so much more if they wanted That's to. That's interesting. Also, it's dangerous to change that game. People might not want to play it if they can't get their exact thing they love out of it. Yeah, right. yeah. Let's go, Pikachu. Let's go, Eevee. See, it was successful. <laughs> I kind of think of like games like Battlefront Two, where like they could be really yeah. great and really fun if EA didn't get in the way, and like publishers didn't get in the way and just completely destroy that game. Well, and, they- and then I also think of things like Anthem or games of service that obviously they have the potential, but they're going to be building over the next few years. But I really think, like, if it weren't for, like, corporate greed and the business end of it all, and obviously these people need to make money, these games could be even, which is why Indian games are so good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just strip that out of it. And yeah, with, <laughs> with uh, Battlefront, I mean, the visuals and the sound design in Battlefront is probably some of the best that I've ever heard in games. Like, when TIE fighters go over your head and the, like, the rifles you're shooting and everything. It's just everything else about that game. It's just <laughs> well, you, we get bounced off Battlefront two and kind of maybe say the Star Wars license in general as far as EA. yeah, there's so much potential. Who knows? We might. I mean, I'm not a Star Wars guy, so I guess we just in the general public 
might be happy next week when at the um, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order thing on next Saturday. <gasps> Is that next week? Yep. yep. Saturday. We're gonna Holy do, butt we're gonna try sauce. try to do reactions to it. Yep. So. Well, damn. Yeah, we might be real happy next week. <laughs> Game of Thrones. <laughs> Star Wars. Our pets' heads are falling off. <laughs> oh, God. That could be great. Uh, here's hoping. This could be Respawn's year if, like, that's great in Apex. In <laughs> Apex, yeah. And not Bioware. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, if you guys have not read that Kotaku article from Jason Trier about Bioware, like, an anthem. I mean, it's fascinating. Feel free to it'll take feel free to read seven it in years three sittings, but it is yeah. <laughs> yeah. It took me so long to read that thing, but it was great. That and the Rockstar one he wrote was yeah. super long. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'll, I'll quickly it. say mine. I'm sure I could come up with a better one, but the one for some reason that I immediately thought is Fable, just as a series. Mm. I I like Fable Two is one of my favorite games of all time. It's part by me playing it as a kid, but just the British humor and just everything about it, I love it. And Fable 3, I like a lot, but it definitely, like, kind of, there was some weirdness with that. And then there was Fable Legends, and then Lionhead getting, like, closed and everything, and then Fable just kind of evaporating. Now it might be getting revived, which you is awesome. You already believe. But, like, I honestly believe that in a different reality, Fable is one of the biggest RPGs on the planet. Like, it's, it's in the same breath as we talk about all these other, like, Obviously, probably not as big as like Skyrim and Witcher Three, but I think there is a reality with how big and awesome Fable and Fable Two were that that could have just kept going, and that could be. I think you're absolutely right, and that could be one of those. When we talk about Microsoft has no like first party exclusives, that could have been one of the series that they had, like a juggernaut, you know? Yeah, especially like being first party and having that money and that support. That's which crazy that it's not. Hopefully, we're getting there. The apparently Fable Four. There's rumors. It's happening. They, so. they pretty much hinted at it last year. They did. <laughs> yeah. I will lose my studio? mind. But... Yeah, go for it. Bethesda. Yeah. They're totally not living up to their potential. Oh, oh 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. they could be, I mean, I mean, Skyrim is one of those upper echelon RPGs, but it's also, come on, there's there's big problems with Skyrim. This game's it got issues. Oh, totally. It was, it it was, was similar to Fallout yeah. 4 and Fallout 3. It, and Fallout, Fallout 76 is perfect, though. Perfect. You're right. <laughs> Can't be better. Yeah. Can't be better. I, I would almost even say Bethesda Game Studios, because Bethesda and other aspects of the company, at least quality-wise, yeah, seems to right. be hitting yeah. it. Sales-wise, they don't... They don't yeah, sales-wise, they don't like the world. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Dope. Great conversation, guys. Thank you for bringing that to the table. And now we're going to uh, release our humility and take one last segment <laughs> called Game on Game Show. The game where we play a game on called Game on our game show. It's game on. We game on a game show called Game On. And this one is another video game Would You Rather. This is the way we're going to wrap our episode today. We've got five Would You Rather scenarios going from normal to weird. And we're going to start with normal. Gentlemen, would you rather never be able to play video games again? Or every time you play games, you first have to play an hour of Wii Fit. I'll take oh. the Wii Fit, man. I'll get in the zone. I'll get my body yeah. ready. I'm gonna I need good. to lose weight anyway. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that sounds great. Honestly, yeah, this, like, this is probably a good thing for my health. Yeah. <laughs> my mom thanks you. Oh, damn. <laughs> damn. See, I already am, I only play games, for the most part, in like hour and a half, maybe two hour chunks anyway. 
So yeah. this would like the majority of my gaming would be Wii Fit oh, yeah. while prepping me to play the rest. Oh, Chad, of it, what if I you had to do an hour of Wii Fit and then an hour of Beat Saber on Expert oh, Plus? Oh, dude, Beat Saber is so much more strenuous <laughs> than Wii Fit. Legit, the night I got the platinum trophy, or no, it wasn't. The night I was number four at the Crab Song, which by the way blew up, and I'm so famous now. <laughs> the night I was number four in the world on that song, the next day. My shoulder was like, what did you do? <laughs> it, it was so painful. But that game, that'll get you swole. Well, at least what we Especially fit, you'll be plus. stretched and ready to go. There you go. Yeah, look at it as a warm-up for Beat yeah. Saber. So I have to say, that, like, I played Beat Saber again when Jeff brought it over, and he just did the no-fail and put me in Expert Plus. Oh my You're god! You're not a human. Like I don't get how this. I don't. Get how this ha- I, don't I have. I couldn't even. I was like, I'm gonna see how many I can get in a row. It's like, oh, four. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> that game is so good. It's literally, it's literally like a second language. Yeah, I can do hard. It's like, that's it. <laughs> I get into it and I just immediately go into the zone. Like when I was going for that number four spot, and I was like going through the mo- and I, I literally had a spot in the middle of the song where I go, "Man, I've been thinking about a text message conversation for the last thirty seconds and not being paying attention to any of these notes, but I'm playing it on instant fail mode and I'm doing it all like crazy, but I'm literally in my head elsewhere. It's, it comes so naturally to me now. I'm just amazing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Show off. <laughs> yeah all right number two uh which of these is less weird okay here we go speaking of sekiro would you rather that sekiro got turned into an infinity blade type mobile game which was based on like parries by swiping the opposite direction of their attack or that pokemon go got turned into a souls type console game and it's like it's battle system already kind of has small hints of that where you're dodging and then attacking like that kind of stuff but like which one would you rather see? Can you repeat the second one again? I actually didn't hear it. Pokemon Go got turned into a Souls-type console game. Oh. I, for, for one, just fucking really want to see a Pokemon Go, like, legit hardcore game. Oh, a thousand oh, no, oh yeah. No, that, that's an easy one. Yeah, I'll go with that one. <laughs> also, yeah. part of it is I don't play Sekiro and probably am not going to play Sekiro. But even if it was something I care about, I think I, there's a lot of things I would sacrifice to be able to play a Pokemon Souls game. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's... That's Pokemon taking risks. That's what I'm talking about. That's what we need. That's the potential. That's the potential of Pokemon. I just want it to be like a terrifying like Charizard and terrifying. I need Pikachu in a suit and armor. Yes. (laughs) Maybe his Luchador outfit from from Smash Bros. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. Pikachu Libre. As I do feel like Sekiro would translate to Infinity Blade though really, really well. Yeah, that's what's tempting me is that the Pokemon game sounds great, but one of the things I love about Sekiro is just hearing swords clash in that game is so cool. <laughs> and it's just be a mobile game where I'll be like, guys, I just need five minutes to hear some sword clashes in Sekiro. I'll be right back. Like, I would do that all the time. But they might not mean as much if they're just on your phone at any time. You know, you get, you just get too used know, to the sword clashes. Infinity Blade was actually a pretty tough game. Yeah, I never played it. The- it was kind of tough, yeah. It was pretty tough, so I think it would still meet that reward if if I pretty beat a boss. Because I don't even think I even beat the second one. I just didn't. I couldn't do it. Just not good enough. Or just not. I needed to get, get good. good, as the kids say. <laughs> Number three, you're playing Zelda Breath of the Wild. Would you rather have to use the gyroscopic aiming on it while riding a real life in horseback? Nope. 
What? That did not make sense. While riding on real, while riding on real life horseback. Okay. So uh, okay. There you go. Use the gyroscopic aiming controls while on horseback in real life, or attempt to play the whole game in VR while holding it to your face. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like at first, I just heard the gyroscopic motions, and I was like, "Nope, whatever the other one is." But then the horseback that that, that might have turned it around for me. That sounds <laughs> yeah, interesting. Yeah, it might not be too bad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like using gyro aiming on a horseback would make the game impossible to beat. However, the nausea from playing VR in 30 frames per second for that long also <laughs> makes it sound impossible to beat. And you'd have There's to at no some point just like smush your face down onto a table just to like hold it there because your arms are just going to die. <laughs> No, but if you do that, if you're looking around by looking around in real life, you can't just put your head down to take a break. You're right. So I just think there's no good option here, and there's no would you rather. I would rather not do either of these. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, is the horse along for the whole, like, 100-hour ride for me? I think that's how long it took me to beat that game. Oh, yeah. That horse had some apples. It's ready to go. Yeah, I think I would do horseback. I go horseback. Uh, do I, am I like forced to beat it? <laughs> you, <laughs> you, have die you have to play the whole game. You have to play the whole game. Do horseback, but I speed run it. <laughs> <laughs> Just go straight to Ganon's castle. You have to canter on the horse while. Yep. Yeah. And I, yeah, for the most part, I'm on the horse in the game and doing bow and arrow. So I'm actually moving around in his, his own way VR. <laughs> <laughs> I feel more badass. <laughs> Question number four. This also be a stupid kind of like meta moment too. Of you're on a horse while watching Link ride on a horse as well. You just that'd just be kind of stupid, enjoyable. Exactly. (laughs) Like yeah, Link, we're kindred spirits riding our horses together. You have to cosplay as Link while you do it. That yeah, he didn't he didn't mention that part of it. But I I didn't do that anyway while playing Breath of the Wild. So you're also not allowed to speak, except for like. Are you hungry, Holden? <laughs> <laughs> Question number four. Um, yeah, would you rather use thumbsticks to navigate your body around the world? So you basically have to hold like a dual shock everywhere you go. Or having sex is a series of quick time button prompts like Prince of Persia or God of War. And if you miss one, <laughs> nobody finishes. <laughs> I mean, have you guys ever picked up a controller and done that already? Like, I hit the forward button and I'm walking forward. You've ever done that before? As like a kid or anything? Oh, or absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, as a kid, yeah. by a kid, I mean like probably last year or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I already do that. I just would have to do it all the time. I kind of feel like that's already what VR is anyway. Except yeah. for instead of turning my head, I would have to use the right thumbstick to do it. But like, oh, is it, a little annoying. Is it directional? It, like, if I go to the bathroom, do I have to walk in the bathroom, turn myself around? <laughs> yep. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, man, it's like terrible tank controls as well. <laughs> <laughs> and you end up just shitting all over the floor. <laughs> huh. Mm. I mean, I walk, but also, I got I walk real around good at those a considerable, prompts. like, higher amount than I have sex. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There you go. I think it's the case for everyone. Like, I'd love to be the person. No, I have sex more than I walk easily. Hold in. It's no Hold question. In. Think about the people with accessibility needs that we just spent a long time talking about. You were so rude. 
I am a terrible person. You're right. Yeah. People in wheelchairs can have sex too. I and think they get I, late all the time. I would choose the sex quick time events and I would just try to get better at them, you know? Yeah. <laughs> motivation. I just missed that one and it's like, fuck, I was into it and I missed hitting the X button again. Damn it. <laughs> yep. But does your partner know that this is a thing? Are they just... <laughs> oh, they have button prompts too. Oh, okay. Yeah. Everyone. Right. Everyone who has sex, it's all button prompts. <laughs> all right, we're in this together. <laughs> yeah. We're in this together. Even playing field. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually almost makes it like more fun, like teamwork. We got the X together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop playing overcooked, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, no, no. It's X square, then circle, 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 square. You're doing it wrong. You're doing it wrong. Wait, so, so does it? The button props change every time. Yeah, they do. They are okay. randomly generated. Okay. <laughs> We would be certain uh, positions are certain button prompts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So, I'm Angle sorry. This is the circles. only one I've memorized. I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah Holden's really cool, but he only knows missionary. He hasn't mentioned any other button prompts. <laughs> <laughs> or his triangle button is broken, so he can never try anal. I don't like square. Don't give me a combo of square in it. It's just too much. <laughs> if you do square, I'm done. I'm out. <laughs> Deal breaker. <a> Deal breaker. <laughs> Number five. I'm going to set up the world for you first, and you choose uh, which world you want to live in. Would you rather live in a world where everyone is legally required to Twitch stream every single bowel movement? <laughs> or... Live in a weird a world where, in order to poop, you have to use a Dookie coin, which can be purchased from EA for forty nine cents each or four ninety nine for a pack of twelve. <laughs> I mean, I feel like if everyone in the world is required to do it at some point, like what, no one has anything to hide, and who's going to pick them to it? Who's going to who's going to pick Darby Hallman? I'm going to watch this particular stream. <laughs> yeah, I guess people do have to like choose to watch it, but They're then also- you got those people who are weird and they're going to watch it. I mean, we're not but girls, so. <laughs> but we're going to have a great kids book now called Everybody Twitches While They Poop. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be fine. You learn to t- do Twitch stream before you tie your shoes. Exactly, yeah. Yep. Like, he hasn't even learned to poop yet. We have to do Twitch streaming first because we have to make sure he's on board. It's a requirement. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it'd be very right, good so for Twitch. Like nobody's paying to poop, but everyone's going to watch people poop. <laughs> That sounds horrible. Like, I'm too poor to poop. Like, I can't, I can't poop today. Oh, <laughs> don't yeah. Have the money so, Chad, in your world, what happens if you run out of money? Uh, if you run out of money, if you're familiar with the play You're in Town, it's one of my favorite musicals, oh, you just get killed. Spoilers for You're in Town. What? They kill you. Is this the world that Holden's Golden Showers takes place in? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Holden's Golden Showers. Holden was Holden Departo because he has no money to pee right now. <laughs> And then somebody finally gives him 50 cents and his Holmes Golden Showers everywhere. I don't know if I want to ask. <laughs> oh, man. Maybe that's will Maybe we we'll save that for our other podcast. Yeah. Oh, man. So that wraps up our Game on Game show and also our episode for the day. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for joining us. Thank you, everyone, for listening to us and our voices. And I hope you like us four together because we're going to be doing it for the next month and a half. Yep. Speaking of, Darby and Jeff, plug your stuff again. Go. 
Yeah, we are both from Nerds at Large. You can uh, find our Nerds at Large gaming podcast every Monday. Find that on all the podcast feeds and on YouTube at Nerds at Large or YouTube.com slash Nerds at Large. And then our Game of Thrones um, spoiler cast are going to be on Nerds at Large spoiler cast podcast feeds, YouTube. It's fun time. We also do some Let's Plays. We're trying to get into more streaming. We just yeah. stream like a grab bag. We put a bunch of um, Xbox game pass games in the number generator so whatever number came out we played oh that's a good idea yeah we only got through like five games so we're gonna do this for a while we played some we played like epic mickey that was pretty bad (laughs) we played rise son of rome that was pretty okay (laughs) yeah that's awesome so check us out oh yeah that's twitch.tv slash nerds at large gaming there you go i'm done plugging I think Jeff's plugs are all the same as mine. Yeah. As like you handle like, you're the one who does an RF podcast, you're used to it. His plugs are all the same, but his button prompts are different. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Very true. Very true. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Until next week, here's our usual sign off. Ah! If you get that reference, you're a true fan. <laughs>